and welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the uh, Corny and Lynn Legal Chatter Podcast. Uh, my name is James Tan and I'm joined today by Barry Klopper, Senior Lawyer. How are you doing, Barry? I'm well, thanks, James. A lot of retail businesses out there, a lot of churches out there suffering at the moment. As at the time of recording, the world is uh, still figuring out how to deal with this um, unprecedented pandemic of a COVID-19 coronavirus. Barry, you recently put out a bit of an article on uh, responding to the COVID-19 and trying to give businesses um, some practical advice on what are some of the things that they can do from a legal perspective to try and um, uh, try, try not get swept away by this wave, but try to come up uh, on the other end with a little bit of um, a little bit of life still kicking in them. Um, so. Today what I want to talk about is a little bit about that article, but I also want to focus it on um, on, on two groups of people. One is uh, our church, or, uh, the church organizations that Corny and Lynn serves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, over the weekend there was this, um, uh, there was a statement uh, by the federal government saying that, hey, uh, gatherings over 500 yes. <laughs> are not recommended. Uh, potentially mm-hmm. they, uh, they, need to, uh, you know, they need to be reconsidered. Um, so I want to focus on our church groups, and I want to focus as well on the businesses, you know, the, the uh, bread and butter for for some of these um, people out there who may own um, retail businesses, mm. food restaurants, and if they don't um, rock up to work, and if no one rocks up to uh, have a meal, yeah. or they can't feed their family mm. uh, because that's what they're depending on. So let's let's have a chat about it. Let's chat about churches first, Barry, okay. and, and tell me a little bit about. Of some of the things that you're seeing out there at the moment, uh, which churches are having to deal with in response to uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus. Sure. Okay. Some of the things that we're dealing with. So I'm part of the Kenmore Baptist Church, uh, now called River Life Church. And we're obviously a large church which gathers in numbers of excess of 500. So we're affected by this. I think the main thing churches need to consider is how they communicate to their parishioners. Um, This is a time where as church goes, we need hope. Mm. and we need something to hold on to. So where we have large gatherings of people that we can no longer hold, how do we give the parishioners hope? How do we give Christians hope and other people in our society hope in a time where they really need it? And um, churches are doing quite a good job in communicating. That's the first step. I think you need to communicate clearly and openly Mm. so that people know what's going on. Is church on this Sunday, for example? Mm -hmm. If it is on, what are we doing to mitigate the virus Mm. how are we combating the spread of the virus Mm. what do parishioners need to do how do we greet each other Mm. do we handshake Mm. things like that those (laughs) are those are issues which need to be considered is sunday school on yeah are we going to be running sunday school with the children what happens if our leaders are sick yeah so that's an important thing you need to consider so communication is paramount and then also, the leaders within the church need to be working together. So where, for example, a leader is presenting with symptoms, yeah. they need to self-isolate and then communication needs to go out quickly yeah. to say, well, this leader self-isolating and not spreading alarm, but 
open communication. I yeah. think that's the most important that's right, thing. Because a lot of the, um, uh, I find in many churches, uh, especially some of the more traditional churches, you've got quite an aged population that are the ones that are primarily at risk. So a lot of these steps are really to, you know, really to contain the spread of the virus and also protect um, a very important uh, section of the congregation. Mm. Um, I also attend a large church, and one of the things that we did over the weekend was to uh, publish a video spread out across all our social media platforms and send out emails trying to con- communicate with people and make changes so that, you know, from a, a, from a work health and safety point of view and from a congregation point of view, uh, people are protected and, and, the, and the steps are being taken to contain the virus and also respond in a way that is um, uh, in line with the statements that are being made by the federal government, you know, mm. to, uh, to control and contain and, and, and uh, and try to minimize the impact and spread of this virus. Um, tell me a little bit about um, uh, about um, the uh, 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 some of the practical things that churches can do. Quite apart from the messaging, and um, um, if they have groups of uh, uh, gatherings of about 500, 500 people, what are some of the things they can do to try and? change around the way that they are carrying out their operations to the activities in their ministry. I think Mm. it's important that small groups take a bigger role Mm. in the church. Um, Some churches have got really good small small groups and it's good to facilitate smaller groups meeting together. Mm. Uh, Just because you are over a 500 church doesn't mean you can't split your church into your smaller groups and you can meet independently Mm. of the church. I think that's a good idea. So small Mm. groups definitely would be one way to do it. Mm. Um, The second thing Look, churches are trying to to stop people from coming in. So if 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 any of the parishioners do have that's a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. We normally try to invite people into church, but I think we have to be careful just to make sure that if people are aware that if they are experiencing any symptoms, please don't attend mm. church. Because not all churches are over five hundred. So mm. I believe that also it might be a good idea where there's churches around your area that are under five hundred and are still holding services. Mm. Why don't you try at another church and attend another church, for example, uh, providing you don't have any symptoms? I don't think that's a bad idea either. There are ways we, we can continue mm. in faith. It just might mean that we can't be together in large numbers in faith, but yeah. we could still limit the numbers and, yeah. and, and, and get together. Yes, there's a lot of things like multiple services or yes. live casting a, um, a sermon to mm. uh, to your congregation, your parishioners. Uh, but let's... Let's chat a little bit about the legal aspect of things as well. Um, mm. You know, churches are still going to have the bills to pay and debts to pay. Um, yes. They're still going to have all sorts of mortgage contracts and and, yes. and, and, uh, and things like that. Well, can you chat a bit about some of the um, the relief that might be available to uh, organizations that churches can? You know, so, so if churches are you know struggling with bills to pay or um, they may be able to think about some of these things. Okay, one of the important things I think to secure your cash flow as a church would probably do really emphasize that electronic giving as well. Let's mm-hmm. let's work on that. These days, a lot of churches are into that, and if you're not into that as a church, I would recommend launching that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. So, electronic giving will will be a way that you can maintain that cash flow even though you're not necessarily having the number of people attend your church service. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step. The second step is. F- Looking at your contracts, so these payments are normally governed by a contract in some respects, and it's a good idea to pull out that contract and get some legal advice on it. Mm -hmm. There are force majeure clauses, which are basically in layman's terms. That means that if you have a natural disaster 
or a pandemic like this, for example, <laughs> there might be a way around it in that contract that you can seek relief. If you can't see anything in the contract, the best thing to do is probably communicate with that person that you owe the debt to and giving them a call and saying, this is what we're experiencing. Is there some form of relief or an arrangement you can come to in the short term that'll see you through some difficult times? Mm, yeah, certainly I think, um, and we're seeing this and we'll come back when we chat about it in a business perspective, but certainly um, uh, quite a lot of the things that we're seeing are uh, negotiations with mm. landlords, for example, or yes. banks or the tax office, which wouldn't apply as much in the church context, except for possibly the uh, PAYG relief that you might that church ministers might have if they're on a payroll yes. um, and having to declare that tax on a pay-as-you-go basis. That might result in some relief for churches, um, but um, uh, certainly from the perspective of uh, uh, contracts where you have to make ongoing payments um, by way of a lease arrangement. There may be some relief mm -hmm. um, under the force majeure con uh, clause, as you mentioned, or potentially through some some other type of commercial negotiation to maintain, you know, long-term sustainability so that the um, uh, there's maybe a period of rent relief that could be negotiated in a contract, three months or so, maybe could go on uh, by way of extension mm. or discount to the rent overall. Th these are the sort of things that can be negotiated and uh, probably could be agreed to yes. um, uh, through a way of some robust negotiation, I think. Yes, and you can definitely sign a variation to your lease. It's important yeah. that if you're going to do that, you put it in writing or and you get both parties. Or variation to your mortgage documents and all those exactly. sort of things as well. Or, um, or some sort of concession that could come in yes. from, uh, by way of a letter or a short from deed. Um, all these things are, well, the, everything's up for grabs, really, mm. uh, in, in terms of a commercial negotiation. Look, this is an unprecedented event. Yeah. That's that, that, I guess, is the good news, if you have a look at it from that side of mm. the coin. Mm. It is unprecedented, so people are willing to negotiate. Mm. Um, and I think that people have to work together in this situation because yeah. the long-term survival, the ultimate goal is to have the long-term survival of business and the economy. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you might have to make a few short-term sacrifices if you are a landlord or a bank. Yeah. And I think that they under do understand that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, moving on from churches, let's chat a bit about, you know, the how things may go from the parishioner side of things. So mm. the, uh, the congregation members that are, you know, they have, that have their own business and wow, they're, they're probably doing a bit tough now. Or the congregation members that may be on a casual contract that are all of a sudden are feeling, well, I'm a bit nervous. I, mm. I, could lose, I could lose my job on a whim. Um, I need to get all the money I can. Um, or the, you know, I'll put aside the congregation members that can't find any rolls of toilet paper. But let's just focus. <laughs> on, <laughs> let's just focus on. Let's start off with the, the business owners. Um, you know, let's. What are some of the things that you're seeing out there at the moment? Uh, uh, probably in you know the retail business sector that, uh, that that you'd like to talk about. Okay, so I get a few phone calls from retailers who are concerned on a number of number of. Uh, facets. The first thing that they're concerned about is cash flow. That's critical to retailers. So retailers are concerned about people no longer coming in to buy goods. So it's great if you're a food retailer or an essentials retailer, but for retailers of electronics and other large pieces of equipment, I bet you vehicle retailers mm. and things like that, people certainly 
have a bit of fear and when people get fear they don't want to spend money mm. because they're worried about their own future income streams yeah. so the first thing retailers and are worried about the manufacturing supply chain is down as well I've heard uh, mm. uh, uh, for example uh, large electronic retailers are out of stock for quite a large number of electronic devices because they're manufactured in places which have been affected by the virus correct once again so there we go you've got those cash flow pressures and how do you mitigate that the biggest expenses you have in a retail business inevitably are wages so employees are one of the biggest expenses you need to deal with and if you have a look at our article there's some good good action a good action plan you can implement there to mm. deal with that mm. one of the second biggest things you have if you don't own your building outright or even if you do you've got mortgage payments or rental payments mm. those are the second yeah the second biggest expenses yeah. in most businesses yeah. okay so you need to as we discussed earlier review those rental contracts those lease agreements mm. and start talking to your banks those yeah. are really important steps yeah. you need to action yeah. sooner rather than later yeah. Speaking of talking to your banks, I think one of the um, uh, one of the things that a lot of businesses are trying to do at the moment is get electronic ready. Mm. So uh, uh, with the with the risk of being um, required to work from home, or of it, of, or, or it being better to work from home, um, uh, a lot of businesses are now having to look into well, is our server up to scratch to facilitate remote working? And mm. one of the things that I've been overlooked. Um, quite a bit, in my view, from uh, under the recent stimulus package, and we all were really quick to jump on the PAYG refund. But mm -hmm. there's also, um, um, and you'll need to chat to your accountant about this. But there's also a lot more tax relief in relation to purchasing new assets, uh, being able to write that down quicker. Yes. So, um, so if a sudden investment is required to be able to facilitate your business being able to for example, have more delivery vehicles or, um, or have better computer systems uh, or being needing, needing to invest in, in um, the business to be able to diversify and, and ride out um, uh, potential turbulence. There is relief um, uh, under the uh, recent stimulus package as well, which businesses can consider. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that potential uh, absolutely yeah well. it would be wise to be investing in IT to allow your staff to work remotely if that's what you're if you can do that if you're able to do that that is a wise investment to make right yeah, now and you're going right. to get a tax relief for that and you're going to keep the business rolling over and keep yeah. keep income coming in the door which yeah. is the main thing to focus on yeah now the other thing to say with working from home as well is there'll be all sorts of uh, work, work health and safety <laughs> yes, yes I think you know you've got to well Theoretically, hopefully, it should be covered by your work cover. I expect the claims Correct. claims management team will be mm. busy uh, at this point in time over there. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's a good time to look at your work from home policies. You bring your, bring your own device um, policies as well. I got a, I recently received an update from um, the eight, um, from the cybersecurity division of the Australian federal government, mm. uh, and they were they were highlighting that. Yep, everyone's, there's going to be a big influx of people working from home, but mm. it's also important to ensure that privacy, cybersecurity, and all these sort of things are still looked at um, because, you know, you, you, you could have a whole lot of people working from home. They could leave Absolutely. a confidential file open Absolutely. up on the computer. Um, maybe they haven't got antivirus on their mm -hmm. home computer, and, there's, and it could cause all sorts of uh, breaches of security there. So um, it's, another, it's, an, it's another piece in this ever-moving puzzle, puzzle mm. but... It's just another thing to look at. You've got to make sure your policies are up to date, your software and security is up to date as well, and um, and and really, you uh, it's a safe place for your business and for your employee to work from home. 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of a lot of businesses probably don't have those policies in place <laughs> because they haven't been working remotely before. This is yeah. new for us. So mm. I think it's really important you put some thought into planning for that. Mm. Uh, as you said, it's probably more than likely going to happen mm. that people will be working from home and that would be as a result of schools closing down mm. uh, because parents have to look after children from home, things mm. like that. Mm. It's really important you start putting together a written policy because you probably don't have one as a small business, which is fine because you <laughs> haven't had this before, <laughs> but it's something you need to start really thinking about. And in terms of workplace health and safety, it really doesn't hurt having a brief policy that you go through with employees mm. saying, as you said, your house is now your place of employment. So there are workplace health and safety laws around that. There mm. is some really good articles around that on the web mm. that you can be looking at. Um, ABC published one this morning. So mm. really keep an eye on that. It's important. That's right. What are the other issues you think businesses are facing apart from, apart from cash flow? Uh, apart from cash flow, I guess. I'm just trying to think about what the other things that I would mainly yeah, think of. employees would be... Look, yeah, uh, yeah, look, em employees, so how do you look after employees? That's really an important one to do. The main thing that I find as a business is if you lose your employees, you lose a skill set, mm. and that's hard to replace. Mm. Not only is it hard to replace, it's costly to replace. Mm. So where possible, I think it's really important that businesses try to hold on to their existing workforce. Whether you have casual employees, full-time employees, or part-time employees, mm you really need to make some efforts to keep hold of those employees. Now, the full-time employees are better protected because they have sick leave entitlements and leave entitlements, mm -hmm. annual leave entitlements, and part-time employees fall in that as well. It's your casual employees, mm -hmm. which are the tough oh. ones. <laughs> yeah. Now, if, you're a, if you, you have to look at your cash flows as a business and plan out for six months, I would say six months is a reasonable time to plan out your cash flows. Mm -hmm. So once you've considered that you've got your rental and things like that covered, or you you're taking steps to renegotiate that, have a look at your employment over the next mm -hmm. six months. And if there is a way you can work with your casual employees mm -hmm. to help them, I'd strongly advocate for that. Some big companies are already doing that. We see some major publicly listed companies paying employees sick leave and paying them a leave entitlements. Now for some smaller businesses, that's not always a possibility, but I think where you can work with your employees, at least have an open discussion about mm -hmm. it, casual employees, and see if you can be subsidizing their wage in some form mm -hmm. or another to at least keep them on your books. Yeah. for the next six months. Yeah, and the million dollar question that I think we're seeing quite often is um, uh, my, uh, and I'm just going to paint an illustration out there, my neighbor's son's housemaid friend um, yep. got, fell sick and now I have to self-isolate. Yes. Uh, can I claim that a sick leaver annually? <laughs> no, okay. So as you're all aware, as, as of 12 a.m. on Sunday night, um, the Australian government has forced everyone who comes into Australia to self-isolate. So we've basically taken the New Zealand model there. Yeah, and there's a fine there if you, if you don't. It's an $18,000 fine in Queensland if you don't self-isolate. Um, and some of the federal fines are up to $50,000 for the 500 gathering, which we know about. Mm. Anyway, so let's say that example. So you've, your flatmate comes in and they have to self-isolate. And as an employee, you're worried. So you call up your boss and you go, well, my flatmate's self-isolating, so I'm going to self-isolate. I'm not coming to work. I'm claiming sick leave. That is absolutely not allowable. <laughs> <laughs> so you, while you might be forced to self-isolate, you cannot, as a flatmate, say, well, because they're self-isolating, I'm going to self-isolate. And that is a problem. We've got employees calling in sick 
to a number of businesses mm. for reasons where they're not actually sick or claiming that they have to self-isolate because they know someone who's self-isolating. Mm. That is not the case. Um, so what I would encourage people to do is not, not take advantage of this situation. Mm. If you aren't sick or forced to self-isolate, please attend yeah. your workplace or talk to your employer. Yeah. yeah, and if you're an employee and you're worried about where this stands in terms of the Fair Work Act, then we'll have mm. a chat with a lawyer because, yep, it, it does, it is new ground, I think. Absolutely. Um, does it, is it covered by sick leave? Is it not covered by sick leave? I mean, the view is pretty clear for for perhaps that um, uh, example which we talked about. Mm. Uh, but some of the other, um, uh, you know, if you're some of the other cases be a little bit more murkier. So it's good to have this discussion because ultimately, as you said, it all comes back to the Employment Contract Fair Work Act. A lot of these disputes um, can po- can pose a risk to, to um, uh, commercially as well to the business and reputationally as well. Absolutely, absolutely. You do have to be careful. Obviously, you've got to comply with your workplace laws at all times, mm-hmm. but in gray areas, seek legal advice. Mm-hmm. You know? It's better rather than guessing mm-hmm. because this could be for an extended period of time and you don't want to have to pay penalty rates and things like that because you took or made the wrong decision. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It can be expensive. Yeah, good. Well, I think that's about all the time we've got, Barry. But do you mm-hmm. have any um, any closing thoughts, anything else you'd like to uh, mention before we wrap up for today? Yeah, I think I'd like to advocate for a sense of calm out there. I think a lot of people are very worried. And whilst I understand that, I think in, in situations where we have this, calm is really important. And open communication and dialogue is so important. Yeah. In, in in moving forward here. I mean, there'll be more updates. I'm sure we'll be doing more of these. We could do one of these every day <laughs> at the way it's moving at the moment. But and, and seek advice. If you're uncertain, pick up the phone and call us. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help. At least come to us and have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is time now to um, put our heads together, consult, be, unity, uh, be mm. unified and have some hope. So uh, that's it from us today. I'll Barry, maybe we'll record one tomorrow. Who knows? We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 07-3252-0011 or go to www.cornianlind.com.au forward slash contact.